Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You may know us from Ramay. You may know us from FFB. You may even know us from the streets of Yorkshire. You may not know us at all. Regardless, we're back with a nostalgia overload, a glimpse back at sunnier times through rose-tinted spectacles. If you like the 2000s, or the noughties as they call it, you're in the right place. If you're into football, which you should be, you're skulking around on the What If Football YouTube channel after all, then you're also in the right place. This is a Naughty's Nostalgia Football Podcast. Each week, my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes and I, Jake Doyle, hop into a football time machine and to the 2000s to select a footballing moment of the time to pick the bones off. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man, you? Yeah, I'm alright. This in, is weird. Here in my 97 Holland shirt. You and your yeah, classic yeah, good. Yeah, Brexit well. umbrella. Bringing it back. Classic <laughs> British band brand. So, you know. I've got a mug to uh, plug that. And a pay in you. Retro Classico. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've got it matching. See, I've got the. Uh, that should be our first. mission to try and get free shit from Retro Classico. <laughs> it can do. We've, we've kind of evolved to, to lockdown format. We yeah. seem to be taking the world by storm at the moment. Zoom format, yeah. So we've gone, what What have we done so far? We've done Ram Air at uni, we've done FFB, a podcast, and now we're yeah. doing a video podcast. Yeah, And Eventually. the format is, we're both going to bring moments from football from the 2000s. You have one, I'll have one. One each, and whatever moment you want. Send yeah, some exactly. suggestions in, you know. Well, noughties can extend to the 2010s, but it's more nostalgia what we're looking at, isn't it, really? So it's it can be anything, as long as we both feel it's nostalgic. I mean, the moment you've selected, which we may as well get on to now, yeah, is nostalgic in my eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, like, I'm not saying I'm one of those annoying people who says things like, if Messi scored that goal, We'd still be talking about it for four, four weeks, five weeks, whatever. But I genuinely feel like I've got a good example of a goal here that Messi would probably be proud of. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I agree. It's probably a class doesn't, goal. doesn't get the recognition 
if Messi scored it because of the teams involved and the scale of the game, admittedly, yeah. isn't quite as big somewhere goals like Messi scored. But Johan Elmander in 2010 scored absolute worldy against Wolves. Yeah. Check it out. It's, it's overlooked. It's one of them I was thinking earlier, how did I even see it? It's, you know, most people don't admittedly sit and watch the whole of match of a day right down to the nil-nils and yeah. the Bolton's versus Wolves matches. But it's one of them where you do and you're rewarded by seeing an absolute gem of a goal. Well, the game itself won't, well, from looking at highlights, it wasn't too bad. Bolton beat Wolves 3-2 at the Molyneux in a game where they were both like, the previous season they'd finished 14th and 15th, so it's sort of yeah. like a mid-table yeah, yeah. relegation scrap sort of thing. And Wolves Wolves were in their second Premier League stint, so like, they would they were absolutely pants the first time around in that Doritos orange kit, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. And second time around they'd stayed up and they were all right. I mean, George Ellicobie, yeah. Kevin Doyle. What a yeah. boy yeah, yeah. Kevin Doyle is. Completely different team from now. Like, there's oh, no resemblance yeah. at all well, with Wolves now. I don't think Wolves have had a... No, they won't have had any, a single player, would they? Because it's a really young, mainly Portuguese-European team, isn't it, really? If, if Messi did it, we'd be talking about it for ages. But I think the better comparison is Dennis Bergkamp. Because yeah. if Dennis Bergkamp He's scored that goal... Yeah. And for me, it's the most like the Dennis Bergkamp goal against Newcastle where he does that weird little flick. But for me, this is more concise. It's more, it's in steps. It's like turn, 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 lay off, bang, goal. And I think every time I watch it, there's another touch that I didn't see the time before. Yeah. Like, it's so intricate, it's mad. So, I mean, what happens really is, I can't remember who we passed. It might be, what's the American lad who played for Bolton? I think Stuart Holden. One, two with him. Yeah, with Holden. There's one, two of him, ends up in the box, on the corner of the six-yard box, really, facing yeah. away from goal. Two defenders in front of him, one behind him, putting pressure on. But within... A second, he's turned and he's got a clear shot on goal and he finishes it beautifully. We were last on side foot into the keeper's left-hand corner. It's crazy. You just need to check it out. It's hard to describe, but... It is a class goal. They did... uh, Bolton ended up winning it 3-2 and Bolton, they were a few years removed from Sam Allardyce, weren't they? So they were like on a downward trajectory at this stage. and that slow decline that they did. Yeah, they would go down in the next... Two seasons after this, uh, Wolves went yeah. down. I think this season or the season after, no, season after, and yeah, sad. Bolton haven't been back since. What was like your opinion of Elmander as a player? Because I think something that happened in the noughties, which doesn't still happens now, but doesn't seem to happen as much, is the smaller teams who you knew would struggle when it comes to the end of a season still had these sort of world class players in there sometimes, like. Elmander for me did stand out at Bolton. I know he wasn't absolutely prolific, but he was an international striker. Well, he was well he respected in Sweden. So. 85 caps for Sweden. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not to be sniffed at. He played uh, three tournaments for Sweden, and I thought he were. He's a bit like, to keep it on a Swedish theme, like um, Isaacson in the goal for Sweden back in those days. Sort of like he was really good on Championship Manager, football manager, but when it came to real life, he just didn't get the, didn't hit the heights. Like I thought Elmander would be like, yeah, not world class, but like a top 
top half consistent forward in the top five leagues. I mean, he played for Feyenoord and Toulouse and signed for Bolton in 2008. So he's, at this stage, he's been there for a few years. I mean, I'm thinking of, at the moment, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel. Sort yeah, of like well, on yeah. a level with him where he, he was promised to be amazing. You know, Elmander's probably had a better career than Ricky Van Wolfswinkel. I, I mean, so, yeah. he didn't he do anything at Norwich, did he? No, I didn't at all. I think he was one that I put in my Premier League, yeah, Fantasy League, thinking yeah. that I was on something, but definitely weren't. It was uh, a flop, to say the least. It, it's sort of like that bracket uh, forwards, like Juan Pablo Angel, uh, yeah. Alfonso Alves, that are like good in other leagues yeah, yeah. and then come to England or come to a top five five league, and it's not like they're not world-class when everyone expects them maybe to Massimo Macaroni as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so we're saying a few there, like most of us, like Alves, would, what got relegated to Bred into, so yeah, scored a hat trick against City. It's those players who, I mean, it might look a bit out of place at top, top European team, but if you saw him scoring goals in Europa League, you'll be surprised. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he, he could be like a, a Europa League centre forward, like a, but Feyenoord is yeah. probably the team, like. If he'd have yeah, stayed exactly. there all his career, yeah. sort of suited. And yeah. we were on about the Bergkamp goal there. Um, Guardian did a poll of the best goal, best Premier League goal of all time. Johan Elmander won it with this goal. Yeah. 27%. So it shows that it's quite a highbrow, respected goal for people <laughs> who know football done it, really. So. Or recency bias, because, I mean, it's 12 months removed from this from this goal. Bergkamp finished in second place that goal against Newcastle with 19% and that Rooney yeah. overhead kick against Man City with 6%. So maybe recent yeah, bias is just a bollocks. That was named, was that Sky Sports' best ever Premier League goal that year? It was either 20 years, 20 they were Premier League 20 years best goal, yeah. yeah. So I think it was Premier League who did that. Um, but yeah, I've, it's hard to choose. They're all very, well, Elmander and Bergkamp are similar goals. Rooney's the importance. Gets, obviously, Rooney's on paper is still class. If he does it against Man City yeah. or if he does it against Norwich City, it's still amazing. Yeah, I agree. But the gravity of the situation. I mean, if say if this game happens in August and they haven't played a game and he scores it, this Elmanda goal, then it's not as big as if say he does it in the end of the season where they're both fighting for relegation, sort of thing. If you get me. Quite. Yeah, like I said earlier, Bolton. We're a very noted team for me, so for me, that's I think that's why it deserves respect as a, a moment of the noughties Premier League. Well, Bolton had a, a lot of class footballers around that time. They had yeah. Hierro, Jokaev, Akocha, Anelka, Kevin Nolan, <laughs> all these like sort of big players in the two thousands, and they were they played Bayern Munich in the UEFA Cup for Christ's sake. Exactly. That's how big they got. I mean, they were one of the best teams in England, probably seventh eighth best team in England at a point. So, maybe that's why Armando went. It's that star attraction. Maybe. Well, it, oh, wait. Could you imagine that now, like a team 14th in the Premier League having such. I mean, there'll be plenty that do, but, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Exactly known as other teams were, you know, like Crystal Palace pull, pulling out the hat, a kind of well, well known. Crystal Palace, Benteke sort of thing. It's sort of those similar vibes, isn't it, really? Yeah. Sort of mid table, lower team. Plucking out, oh, they spent like thirty million on Benteke, sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think Elmander's probably at that level, but it's there are still with a lot more money in Premier League. There's a lot more like 
bigger players coming to the Premier League for smaller clubs. So like Huddersfield Town were in the Premier League for two years and they're probably one of the 50 richest clubs in the world now, just for those two yeah. years, based yeah, on yeah. the television rights. So Yeah. A very nice thing to have a proper centre forward as well, possibly. <laughs> Big man, little man, like uh, Crouch and Defoe for Portsmouth. See, again, <laughs> lower team. So, well, Portsmouth were sort of taking on the mantle of Bolton at the time, weren't they? Around this time. Because in 2010, they'd just been in yeah, the FA Cup final. So, yeah. Yeah. Harry Redknapp, you know, they were class. Yeah. Right, so on this day in 2002, July the 22nd, 2002, Rio Ferdinand signed for Manchester United. £30 million, a world record for a defender, and the second time that Rio had broken that record when he went to uh, Leeds in 2000 from West Ham for around £18, £20 million, I think. So at the time when Rio joined United, Yapstam had been sold for comments in an autobiography less yeah. than a year later, year before. Ronnie Johnson and Dennis Irwin were both released in the summer and... David May and Laurent Blanc were both over the hill and would be gone the following summer. So United needed a big, big, big name at the back. Blanc, obviously, a World Cup winner, but he was sort of if 36, I think, when he signed. And United had John O'Shea, one of your favourites, playing play. sort of left back, right, but he could play anywhere, couldn't he? Mikhail Silvestri yeah. could also play centre-back and on out wide, so could Phil Neville, Gary Neville, Wes Brown, all of them were quite flexible, whereas they needed a sort of like a a big centre defender who could just play there and be like the leader at the back, which they hadn't had since Stam. So, and probably one of the reasons why they couldn't keep up with Arsenal that season, obviously United had come back from three titles, then lost it to Arsenal in a double winning campaign for Wenger's side, won it at Old Trafford. So... They were obviously that solidity needed at Old Trafford. And what do you reckon to Rio Ferdinand's Man United career? Was he worth thirty million? It's um, big time. <laughs> you probably triple it these days. Well, you'd easily triple it these days because you look at Van Dyke and and Maguire. Yeah, that's the he's set a blueprint now for all those expensive defenders. You know, can Van Dyke go on and do what Ferdinand did? We'll have to see. I mean, it's tough. It'd be a tough thing to do. Class well, with Van, yeah. Van Dyke, he he's signed to a big club a bit later on and in his career but I mean he could still knock up a couple of Premier Leagues and a, well he's already won a Champions League same as Ferdinand has so maybe he's already at that level yeah it really. I mean it really changed when Vidic signed as well and then he yeah. had like proper full time partner who we knew was going to stick around for a few years and he knew was he could trust him to um to see what his playing style as well. It's a big compliment each other quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Vidic came in 2006, didn't he? At the same time as Evra. Yeah. And they had that disastrous debut in Man City. Yeah, yeah. And it, they, but with those foundations they'd built, then a defence they'd have until probably when Ferguson left in 2013. Obviously, they'd swap out a few right-backs. So Gary Neville retired, Wes Brown yeah, yeah. left. Yeah. You know, he had Antonio Valencia dropping back occasionally, Ashley Young. Raphael, yeah. Fabio, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the, I think the the only thing about the treble winning team for United is they had the two fullbacks in Dennis Irwin and Gary Neville who were always going to be in there. Ronnie Johnson, I feel, is the one where people don't really seem to recall him being in the team, no. like probably the weakest link. Yapstam, obviously, only there for a couple of years. So they needed... They needed um, 
longevity at the back and they had that in three defenders there, Evra, Vidic and Ferdinand. And obviously, Man United would win the Premier League in 2003. Yeah. And a year later, he'd be banned for drugs. Well, missing a drugs ban, drugs test. Yeah, I mean, I think people do possibly forget that, but... Well, it's, one, that, it's one of them. I mean, I remember at the time, obviously, it's so prime. He missed it. It's a, mm. I guess it's up to you what, what you want to believe. He didn't fail the drugs test. He missed the drugs test. But whether he did that on purpose or not is... Another matter, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. and in that time period, both England and United missed him. So in, yeah, United oh. dropped back to third, like they did the, the year he won there. England probably... Do you think he would have played Euros, for England or do you think it would have still been Campbell and Terry? No, I think he would have played. I think it would have been Terry and Rio, as we saw at World Cup 2006, because Campbell, I think, although Campbell had just been part of the Invincibles, hadn't he? So it were... Yeah. But then again, Ledley King also played in the Euro 2014. Well, I wouldn't say it might have forced him to three at the back, but with Sven probably oh, not. No, sure. <laughs> he seemed to be uh, pretty loyal Richard, to his yeah. yeah, he is. Well, I think... It was probably England's best chance at winning anything, and I don't. I'm not sure if Rio being there would have changed anything. I think I've done a wife on this before, but I, I'm not sure. In reality, it had made much of a difference. Maybe it would have beat Portugal, and then would have still yeah, had the I Dutch in the semi-final. I think we still had quality players, regardless, didn't we? But I mean, that maybe is one thing you could. We're getting away about away from the actual moment, but his England career probably wasn't what he wanted it to be. No, I think. No. But on the actual moment, what just refresh my memory? Like, when did he leave Leeds? It was before they had to sell loads of players, obviously. So it was um, quite a big deal. Uh, well, they've missed out on the Champions League in yeah. the 2000 2001 season, the season they got to the semi final against Valencia. They'd yeah. overcompensated, obviously spent eighty million on Rio, which is a huge amount at the time. Yeah. And they'd um they missed out on the Champions League to Liverpool in that season, and that meant they they'd overspent and then not getting the Champions League money, they then had to not sell because they were still signing Robbie Fowler, Robbie Keane, etc. You know, they were still buying, but missing out in two thousand one two, that was like the end of it because they were still sort of classed as a top six team sort of thing in 2002, 2003, but they finished mid-table. And then by the following season, a lot more people left. I mean, I think the only players left were Ian Hart, Gary Kelly maybe, and Alan Smith at the yeah. end. Because Harry Kewell had gone, who else had gone? Mark Viduka. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the financial implications of it probably were at, in the middle of it right here. So 30 million still didn't get them out of a hole, did it really? Because they'd have had to sell yeah, the yeah. entire team probably because yeah. of the loans that they'd built up. But but you could say, I mean, it's a big moment in terms of it, he was the first big one to leave because they needed some money because they yeah. overspent and sort of been overly ambitious. But we've, we've just caused because they had obviously just been to the Champions League final a couple of years before it and stuff. So... Yeah, they, yeah, they were. Semi-final, I should say. They were a big team around 2001-2. But in the end, uh, Rio Ferdinand scored his final goal against Swansea. I was lucky enough to be there yeah. in May 2013. The final home goal under Sir Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford, and he would leave a year later and start the rest of his career at QPR 
for a season and retired in 2015. The other thing that he's probably not too happy with is how his career ended mm. with some pretty poor performances for QPR. But that does happen. I mean, Gary Neville ended his career quite similarly, um, retiring, well, sort of forced into retirement after that yeah. West Brom performance in 2011, I think. So, I mean, he can't just always end out on the end out on a high no, like Zinedine can't. Zidane in 2006. <laughs> yeah, no, you but can't always go on a high, that's true. But all had one season under Moyes, Vidic, Everett, Ferdinand, and then they just all like Everett's final flourish was that goal against Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal of the Champions League under Moyes, which sounds absolutely insane when you say it out loud, but they all sort of left at the same time, which is as much as Ferguson leaving was spiral in Man United down loss of those three big dressing room players was half of it I think for me and scores obviously in the context of the moment then how much would you say made a difference to that kind of the generation of United players that he became a part of you know because it obviously won the treble and then that a few years between where people were getting old getting old and then knew it were all about refreshing the team, and he were a big part of that. I think it's the sort of before the in between the treble and Rio joining, they were dominant in England, and that domination sort of like flickered off with that season when they lost the title to Arsenal. But in Europe, they were always sort of not really there. They'd been knocked out in the quarterfinals to. Um, Real Madrid to Bayern Munich, they lost yeah. to Bayer Leverkusen the season before Rio joined. And I think Rio joining, it took a few years in Europe um, and obviously a few years in England as well with Mourinho coming in, Wenger's Invincibles. And then once, I think he helped build that defensive structure with Ferdinand, Ferdinand Vidic, Evra and the right back. And that sort of, like they had it in the early 90s, Pallister and Bruce. Paul Parker, Dennis Irwin. They had the four who were always going to play. And the four who were always going to play were like owing to injury. Gary Neville um, would have played in the 2008 Champions League final, but Wes Brown was a good um, understudy. Yeah. And that yeah. four across the back, always going to play. I mean, you had Danny Simpson occasionally, but all those four always going to play led them to success. Well, three finals in the Champions League in four years. So I think it was more building a defensive structure and him being the first sort of brick in the wall sort of thing helped them. Yeah. So before we leave the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, I think it's only right that we bring you the 2000s trivial teaser. So it's got to be a player who has played some part in the 2000s and I'll give you his date of birth, his position, two people who managed him and five players who he played alongside. And I will give the answer out next week, but I'll give you a couple of guesses at who it is, but it's going to be pretty tricky. Right, so the date of birth... (laughs) The date of birth is September the 11th, 1968. He is a centre-back. Walter Smith and Harry Redknapp managed him, and he played alongside Ian Dowie, Peter Peter Beagre, Neville Southall, Frank Lampard, and Davos Suka. Oof. So again, he managed managed him were Walter Smith, Harry Redknapp, who played with Ian Dowie, Peter Beagre, Neville Southall, Frank Lampard, and Davar Suka. Would like to hazard a guess. 
have prefaced out I'm thinking <sighs> Everton and West Ham. Bigger is completely throwing you on it. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to just leave that one in. Yep, no worries. I'll reveal the answer next week. And if you think you know the answer, please leave it in the comments section and we'll get around to the answer next week. So before we leave you all today, have you got any yeah. other business? So yeah, we just thought we'd take this chance to talk about something that isn't football. So if you're not football, you can do one now. But <laughs> obviously we're living in a weird time at the moment in lockdown and that causes people to do some pretty weird things. Um, so we'll ask you first if you've got like going into any weird habits or hobbies that you hadn't done before that you find yourself doing now but you didn't even realise you were doing or didn't intend to do um, no not really I mean I've had a house move in the middle of this mess yeah. um, but that's kept me pretty busy um, I've a good habit I've got into is waking up at 7 every morning whereas sometimes I'd be waking up at 9, 8 10 you know I've, but I think I've I started off and I thought right what I'm going to do is it's going to be like three months in it we'll I'll do some work and then I'll just relax for two months and then just do nothing and yeah. after a week I got bored I was playing like championship manager 98 championship manager 2002 I was playing them all like oh four as well they were, I was just playing old video games and then after three or four days I just got bored and yeah. I thought right I'm just gonna I've got Three months to sit on my bummy, I'm just going to go through it, work from seven till whatever and just burn myself out. And that's happened now. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, that's a nice segue into what I'm going to talk about, really, because I'm going to talk about a roller coaster where it'll kill you if you go on it. So, basically... What, is this in Alton Towers, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the concept of a euthanasia roller coaster. So it's developed by a guy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I should give some context. But I've been one of the things I've started doing was I've started playing roller coaster tycoon again. You ever play that? <laughs> yeah. I honestly think it's one of the best games ever. Yeah, the mobile version. It's it's just as good as it used so to be. Mobile, fantastic. Yeah, and it's just like the PC version. It's not like yeah. I think it costs like seven quid, but it's worth it. Um, <sighs> But yeah, in doing some research for it, like proper dark, I found out this guy called Julianus Urbanos designed a roller coaster that is designed to kill passengers <laughs> as a method of euthanasia. So it's right. not actually, it doesn't yeah. exist physically, but it's a concept of a roller coaster which provides 60 seconds of 10 G force, which yeah. will yeah. force you to. Die. Go from greying out to tunnel vision to blacking out by the end of the ride. But I do like on the Wikipedia page it says he um he does add like you might need to send them around the circuit one more time just to make sure that they actually just to make sure. <laughs> But I, I I'm start, like I think it's a good idea. He said he wants to give people a, a thrilling way to die. That that's the idea. In, yeah, well in an ideal world. In an ideal world where sort of assisted dying is allowed, well, in my opinion anyway, people might have a different opinion, but, you know, if, if you've got a valid reason, I think it should be um, 
should be legal. I don't know if that's your opinion or what, but yeah, a fun way to die. I mean, if you're into roller coasters. I think roller coasters should exist, so. But like you could do that. You'd have to be, but that's a different question. You could do that for sort of put it in any setting really then. So, I mean, what do you say if you're at a football match or even a stadium tour that your favourite club and you just go around. What football do you want to die? Um, Let's stick to the ones where I've been. I've been live. I mean, I've seen some pretty horrendous ones. Uh, Millwall versus Huddersfield Town playoff semi final in two thousand and ten. Dreadful nil nil. Uh, Blackburn versus Middlesbrough one nil last August. That were dire. Yeah, we didn't really watch that enough. If anyone listened no. to that podcast, which probably didn't, if you're watching this, but back in the day, we went on a day to went on a day out to Blackburn. Yeah, and. Um, Sacked it off at half time pretty much because it was far. No, we, we watched from the top of the stand, know. but nothing yeah. happened. I mean, no. in, for a brief part of history of what um, our away days were, we go up and down the, well, up and down the country, probably side to side <laughs> at the top in the north <laughs> yeah. and watch some pretty bang yeah. average bang football. Line. Barnsley, York, Blackburn, Accrington, we've watched some dire stuff. York versus Telford was another one where. The quality of the football was bad, but what was worse that you couldn't get any alcohol at halftime because you know when you're in yeah, the second half and you and you're flagging, you sort of need a bit of a boost yeah, yeah. to keep you going. I mean, yeah. if you're a fan of those teams, I feel you probably need a bit of euthanasia after that. York versus Telford. Yeah, that's probably been my one to jump on the euthanasia roller coaster after watching. But anyway, what do you reckon to our first episode? Was good. Enjoyed it. Is it going to get a second series? <laughs> Elmander, top player, Rio Ferdinand, even better. I mean, that's yeah. what this podcast is all about. Niche, mom- niche moments and looking Big back one. at quality players that, are, you know, took the world by storm. Right, so we'll bid each other and our audience farewell and we'll see you next week here on What If Football's Naughty's Nostalgia Podcast. Yeah, thanks for watching. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.